Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome to Faith in the Zone, a show about sports and faith, how the two come together and lives being touched. Right now, discover how people in sports walk in faith with host Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner on 1250 AM, The Fan. Because I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody all about somebody who saved my soul. Ever since you rescued me, you gave my heart a song to sing. I'm living for the world to see. Nobody but Jesus. I'm living for the world to see. Nobody but Jesus. Welcome to Faith in the Zone on 1250 AM, The Fan. I am Mike McGivern, flying solo again this week as usual. It's been about a year. Pastor Ken Keltner from Brookside Baptist Church, my co-host, he'd love to be on this show. I can tell you that right now. He would, uh, not only would he be really interested in our guest, but... Um, Pastor Ken's son, uh, Kevin, is a pastor in Egg Harbor, New Jersey. And I don't know how far Ocean City is from Egg Harbor, but we would talk a little bit about Kevin's, uh, Kevin Keltner and the, the good work he's doing in New Jersey, our special guest. And man, there's some things in common here. You know, I didn't play soccer. I, you know, I should have, because I certainly would have. Matt, Matt, Mayer, Matt Mayer, who was our guest, could not have held me on the soccer field. I'm just kidding, of course. But I worked for the, the Wave for a long time. I worked for the outdoor team here in Milwaukee, and I was the general manager for an indoor soccer team in Chicago for a year. And if you Google the worst general managers in the history of professional sports, there's a pretty good chance my face will pop up because, man, I didn't know enough about soccer to be the general manager of a team, especially in a market like Chicago. Our special guest, and you want to talk about a, a true story of redemption. This this young man, I can't stop watching the stuff that that has been put out about him. And uh, on this show, I talk a lot about that there are guys that the worst thing they ever do is steal the candy bar. And then you have Pastor Daryl Strawman and myself that were doing some things you should not be doing. And the Lord's accepted us. Well, I, I may have to put Matt Mayer in that category. It was a five-second decision that changed the life that we're going to talk a, a lot about throughout the show today. And I can tell you that when I go to truthovertrend.com, and I watch, I've watched a number of videos on this young man, but truthovertrend.com, we're going to talk a lot about uh, during the show. I would recommend it and watch that video. And if you're able to walk away without tears coming down your cheek, I would be surprised because I, I have not been able to. Our special guest for the entire hour, former pro soccer player. He's now a teaching pastor at Coastal Christian Church in Ocean City, New Jersey. He's Matt Mayer. Hey, Matt, how are you today? Mike, thank you so much for that introduction. Unworthy of it, by God's grace alone. And as I heard you kind of talking through maybe a former guest you had on the show. I'm living in Egg Harbor Township, New Jersey, which is only, you know, eight miles from Ocean City. So connecting with you in Milwaukee from New Jersey, 
honored to be on the show with you. Well, I'm going to find out before we get uh, before the end of the show. I'm going to find out what church uh, Kevin Keltner is at, and uh, him and his family, and he 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 loves the area, and he's doing really good work. He's a pastor at a church, a youth pastor, I believe, at a church in uh, Egg Harbor, uh, New Jersey, and and uh, he's a he is a Midwest kid. I coached him in high school basketball, and and if you want to know the kind of player he was. You know, um, there's a kid that that played at uh, at Butler, and then he played for the Boston Celtics, and he played for Utah. And and I'm not man. I got to figure out his name. I, I love the way the kid plays, but that's what this kid was. He changed direction all the time. Wow. He, he could hit shots, and he may have been a better soccer player. I don't know. He he thinks he was, but he was a heck of a basketball player. And I I may hook you two up. You may enjoy this. This uh, this kid. Hey, let's Matt. Let's talk a little bit about where you grew up and a little bit about your background. I know you were a multi-sport athlete, um, right. but soccer turned out to be um, you know your jam at that point. But where'd you grow up? Grew up in Cape May Courthouse. Four words. In fact, on Jeopardy, when they asked what is the longest city name in America, it was Cape May Courthouse. That's where I grew up. Little township <laughs> high school. Was a multi-sport athlete, as you preface. I'm one of four boys, Mike, so I had three older brothers that I looked up to, that I followed in their footsteps, very athletic family, typically the all-American family, father, a career man, law enforcement specifically, retired chief of police in my area, and current undersheriff, even as we speak, in Cape May County. Mother was a stay-at-home mom. Her primary goal was to raise the children. She was also a freelance writer. So, um, you know, strong Christian household. I often tell people my parents did such an amazing job training up their children, not just raising us in church, but raising us in Christ. Now, here's something you might not find on the Internet about me, but I often pride myself in this regard, and it'll, I'm sure it will strike a chord with you, Mike. I played high school basketball for a pretty competitive program. Middle Township High School traditionally was known for at least winning South Jersey titles, and I'm actually one of the point guards on the 2002 New Jersey State Championship team, Mike. So really? I don't know, man. I think I might be able to handle you on the man, court. You know, you know what? You, I'm sorry, you got no chance. I, look, I would take you down into into the paint where the real men play, and uh, and I would embarrass you. I'm sorry to no, I'm only kidding. Now, if we play horse, I got a shot because you know you soccer boys play too much defense, man. Normally, every soccer player I ever coached can run all day and play defense. That's Couldn't. Right. Could not That's shoot right. a lick. They couldn't shoot a lick. And That's I don't know if you were though. different. I, I was, you know, I was probably, I want to say, I was so good at soccer talent wise, but I loved basketball. As the point guard, I played smart and safe, and I was high percentage. So if I took yeah. the three or if I was on the foul line, coach knew I, I was going to make it. I was the clutch player. I so loved. came in handy in yep. my senior year, Mike, where we went to the South Jersey Championship and it went down to the wire wound up hitting a game winner at the buzzer. The score was like 47-48 the very next game in the playoffs. Same exact scenario. Down to the wire, I hit another buzzer beater, 47-48. Oh, my goodness. State semifinals. Um, Just one of those, like, pretty awesome memories. And it's basketball. If you were to ask memories about soccer, I would tell you I scored a lot of goals. Went to Temple University on a full scholarship. And eventually, as you've discovered, played professional soccer. So, you know, that's the skinny version. Well, I, I think we missed I think we missed one one follow up question. So you got to the finals 
And then what happened? Did you did you right, cut well, the nets we, we down? Won or? My junior year, we won state championship. My junior Bad year, boy. I was the point guard, and we lost my senior year in the state semifinals to Neptune, oh, North Jersey man. school, down to the wire in that game as well. So I so thirty six years I coached, and uh, and I there are parts of it I miss. I, I can tell you this that with coaching basketball nowadays, it's it is. You know, it's almost 12 months, and the school that I coached last four years is about a mile and a half from the radio station where I work at. So we would practice, let's say, 7 to 9. I would stay at the office till 6 and then be real tired but try to figure out what to eat. Where can I find something to eat? I'd be real hungry, get home at 10, get to eat again. And and so I decided a year and a half ago we, we won uh, my sixth uh, state championship to to walk away from it and uh, get myself healthy, and man, been doing that like crazy. I'm down, I don't know, hundred and some pounds and working wow. out two, man, two to at least once, sometimes twice, and yesterday was three times uh, a day where I'm work. I'm doing this this 4:45 a.m. Uh, burn boot camp. And I'm telling you, Matt, it, it's killing me, man, but it's, I, I'm, addicted, I'm kind of addicted to it. 100% Irish, you get addicted to a lot of things, but I got to leave my house no later than quarter to four because wow. it's a 30-minute ride, 35-minute ride. And, Matt, it's really funny because I listen to all Christian music on the way out there. And then when I turn left, I got another two miles to go, and I go to, like, Will Smith get jiggy with it. It's like <laughs> night and day, but I got to do something to get my body going. And I got to stretch for 15 minutes, and then it's 45 minutes to just pure get after it. And I couldn't do this if I was still coaching. And, and I thought, right. you know what, I've been around a long time. And, and, and it's time. And, and after we won a, a state championship at a school that when we took over, they had won, I think, two games in three years, something like that. And four years later, we, uh, we hoisted the, the gold ball. And I said, okay, I'm done. I'm going to go away now for a while and, and now go watch my grandkids play a little bit. Hey, I loved coaching point guards, by the way, Matt, the, the, my favorite, getting the gap and kick. My son kept saying, you know, he, he was a point guard and he, he'd go, uh, he never asked me how many points he had, how many turnovers, how many assists, because I'm a four to one kid. I said, man, you're not a four to one kid. You're not. Look at the numbers. He goes, no, I'm a four to one kid. And I'd be <laughs> like, you're not, Matthew. So it, it was good. You enjoyed playing basketball then. If you were to ask me, and most people do, I'll get done speaking somewhere, whether it's a conference, at a high school, a college, or a church, telling my testimony primarily, they'll ask me, like, oh, man, tell us about soccer. And I'm like, I'll answer the questions. And then they'll ask, did you play other sports? I'm like, listen, my passion, my love, I think because it was less stress because I wasn't the best basketball player, but I could get out there and enjoy and perform and be the clutch player as opposed to soccer you were the guy everybody was looking to, right? You had to score the goals. So there was more pressure, more stress. You almost burn yourself out growing up when all you do is eat and sleep a specific sport. So basketball was an outlet. And I even play to this day. It's one of my you know, hobbies when I have some margin to get together with some good guys and, and play some ball. So, yeah, man, I miss basketball, Mike. Hey, did you grow up a Nets fan or a Knicks fan, or what did you grow up watching? You know what? I, I, by proximity, we are in South Jersey, so most of the professional teams are in Philadelphia. Okay. But I was more of a player fan, so I enjoyed the game, and that included even soccer. I would watch the player, and I would be a player fan and appreciate you know, some, some players that had the composure or they had natural gifting. You can see it. 
So whatever sport it was, I'd always find one player that I would kind of latch to and just follow them and, and love the way that they played the game. Yeah, I. you know what? It's funny because – there are certain players that I that I really enjoy watching, but growing up here in in Milwaukee, I'm a Bucks fan, I'm a Packer fan, I'm a Brewer fan, all of that. Sure. And and you go into Temple. Look, I was a big John Chaney fan. I oh loved God. watching John Chaney coach, man. Well, he was so into the game, and I thought defensively, he was man, he was a step ahead of everybody. I thought he was great. He was. A class act. He'd come into the gymnasium at Temple. We'd be playing on the basketball court, soccer. It was typically during the colder days. And he'd come sit in the stands, and you got like this legend, Cheney, sitting in the stands watching us play. So, <laughs> you know, remember, I'm, a, I'm what, 19, 20 years old. Oh, man. And I'm looking at this guy who I watched on TV coaching, and he's watching us play soccer. It was just one of those, again, cool memory thinking about where I was in life and what the Lord allowed me to experience. Amen, amen to that. Hey, we are talking to Matt Mayer, again, former pro soccer player. He's now a teaching pastor at Coastal Christian Church in Ocean City, New Jersey. Stick around, because the rest of the show, you know, we have a little fun with, with that first segment. But boy, this young man's story is uh, is incredible. As we're talking, if you get a chance, truthovertrend.com is his website, and there's a lot of information on there and some stuff that that I would highly recommend you take a look at and, and you know what, understand that the Lord obviously has has led this young man through a lot of really dark things. And, and I look, I, he's young enough to be one of my kids. If, and if I was his father, I would be really proud of him, but there was a time that I would have been really, really hurting over the, the one decision that he made. And we're going to talk to him about that on the other side of the break. Again, he's Matt Mayer, former pro soccer player. And go to truthovertrend.com. And uh, I'm a little surprised a former soccer player has such really cool gear, but he's got uh, some pretty cool gear, and and uh, you might want to take a look at that as well because they got some great sayings on on that. Again, trend over or truthovertrend.com. This is Faith in the Zone on 1250 AM. The Fan. More now of Faith in the Zone, discovering people in sports and their walk in faith. Faith in the Zone is brought to you by Brookside Baptist Church. Back with host Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner on 1250 AM, The Fan. Welcome back to Faith in the Zone on 1250 AM. The fan, I'm Mike McGivern, and our special guest. Man, that first segment, that's the fun stuff. We got through the fun stuff. He's Matt Mayer again. He's a former pro soccer player, now a teaching pastor at Coastal Christian Church in Ocean City, New Jersey. Also has a website that I, I cannot recommend enough, truthovertrend.com. Go to that website. So, Matthew, let's talk a little bit about you getting injured as a soccer player. And you know what? We need to talk about that night and, and what happened. And uh, we can kind of utilize that almost, I guess, as your testimony. Because in the second segment, we talk about people's testimony. And, and I know that you grew up in a Christian home, but this certainly solidified um, how, you know, where you went 
with the rest of your life. But can we talk about, you know, you found out that you, you had hurt your knee in soccer and then go from there? Correct. Yes. Yeah. So um, majority of my career as a soccer player, I was injury free. So skated my way into Temple University on a full scholarship. My senior year entered into the player draft. The USL player draft was a first round draft pick. The MISL, Major Indoor Soccer League, was a first-round draft pick. So I had options leaving Temple University. Eventually played on my first pro soccer team in North Carolina, Carolina Railhawks, with my older brother, Anthony. So imagine mom and dad extremely proud. Their two sons are on the same team. My first professional start, Mike, was against Cruz Azul of Mexico. They came over for a friendly in SAS Stadium in, in Raleigh, and we had a Sold out crowd. I was my first rookie start in front of 30,000 fans. Wow. I'll never forget it. So from there, the trajectory of my life was going back and forth between the USL and the MISL. Played in Milwaukee several times. Played against my older brother, Anthony, who was a Milwaukee Wave. So how do you like that? You're, you're in that city. Matt, for that organization. Yes, I did. And my brother played for Coach Tozer. And I, my first time playing against him in that arena I'm a defender at this point, so I'm, I have to mark him. And listen, you know, he, he gets the ball, he posts up kind of, I'm on his back, and he elbows me straight to the nose, Mike. <laughs> I'm bleeding everywhere. And, like, it was this first indoctrination to mark in my brother, who was like a train, and he, he gives me a cheap shot. Hey. And then he, he looks at the ref and says to the ref, don't worry, he'll probably tell mom, and, like, he ran off. <laughs> I remember just thinking, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> You got to love that. I'm, I'm sorry, but that's exactly, I'm the youngest McGivern boy. That's exactly what I would have done to, to, <laughs> to you too. I would have hit one of my older brothers. Now, he was your older brother. He, he thought of it first. That was the key right there. Yeah, he got it off. And then, so from that point, I eventually landed a contract with the Philadelphia Kicks. So I end up back in the city of my alma mater. And it's in that city, in that world, where, let me kind of just preface this. I would have told you I was a Christian in name, but I wasn't necessarily living as a Christian in nature. I would have answered the questions in any interview that God was good and I trusted God, but I wasn't living it outside of certain arenas. On the weekend, I started to go out a little bit, started to hang out at my old stomping ground, some of the bars and clubs that I would frequent as a college student. So are you seeing how I'm back? in an area that I'm familiar with. And now I'm straddling the proverbial fence. I got one foot in the Word of God. That I, would, I would do my Bible study in. I would go to the church that was in the area. I would pray as a fellowship of Christian athlete. I had my own player card, Athletes in Action, that I would hand out to the kids and sign autographs. But I also had one foot in the world. And this is kind of the beginning of the end. March 1st, 2009, in the Philadelphia Spectrum, a routine turn on the turf. I'm kind of chasing the ball. Uh, it, it hits off the back of a, a, an opponent. So I shift quickly. My right leg, my foot, gets caught in the turf, and my entire body shifts, and I tear my ACL and my meniscus in one fell swoop. Boom, I go down that Wednesday. As you can imagine, an MRI confirmed that both ligaments were torn. They scheduled the surgery for the following week, which I believe was like March 12th. So I have surgery scheduled, and now I'm in no man's land. I'm in limbo, and I went to the training facility 
that Friday morning, and I think the date was March 6th, the team was going to Baltimore to play the Blast on Saturday. I would not be traveling. I was on the injured reserve at this point. I got home. My brother Anthony, who I lived with, told me, you know, keep your head on your shoulders. I remember tearing my knee. Very encouraging. Then he asked me, what are you doing tonight? And I just kind of shrugged it off and said, I'm going out. And he looked at me and he was like, Matt, don't go out tonight. Stay in. And they're like, when you look back in hindsight, there were so many warnings or, as we say, the writing on the wall. I decided to go out that night. I had no plan. So it's not a cliche to say when you fail to plan, you plan to fail. I went out in the city of Philadelphia, picked up a friend, had some dinner, didn't have any drinks at this particular point, ended up at an establishment in Maniunk, ran into my old college roommate, had not seen him since 2007. It was there that I had my first drink. And it was off to the races from that point, you know, catching up on where he's been, where I've been. But every conversation that would um, be about what I was doing eventually led to the knee. People would be like, I'm sorry to hear about the knee. And it was, I can't say I was depressed. I actually can say I was entitled. And every time the knee was brought up and the possibility of never playing soccer again, I felt more emboldened, more entitled. Like, I'm going to do me. And there was one point in the night where I ordered several shots for my group and didn't hand them out. I wound up taking about five of them in a row, five shots in a row. And from that point, Mike, I do remember uh, very vividly some of the um, scenes that unfolded after that, but I'm under the influence of alcohol. I get in my vehicle. People often ask, what were you thinking? That's the the number, number one question. What were you thinking? And I'm honest when I say that's the point. You're not thinking. When you're under the influence of drugs or alcohol, you're not thinking. You're not in your right state of mind. Me and a friend decided to go to Atlantic City, New Jersey that night, and I tell people that night for me, which was March 7th, the early hours of March 7th, 2009, has not yet ended for me. That night still echoes all this time later in my today because I wound up rear-ending another vehicle on the Atlantic City Expressway, and that there kind of, man, it's hard even to share. I'm oh, responsible boy. for taking somebody's life because the driver in the other vehicle ended up dying. And when I express that, no words can be strung together to explain the shot of guilt that comes into my soul. Even all this time later, Mike, that, that kind of paralyzes me when I recognize, man, I made a decision to drink and drive, and it ended up taking somebody else's life. I, yeah, watching again, watching those videos um, that I watched, and and I can I can tell in your voice and out through those videos that, you know, you are so still. I mean, just and and how can you not be so affected? But on on the website uh, truthovertrend.com, or if you Google our our guest to Matt Mayer, and and we talked and and emailed back and forth, and I said, how much can I bring this up? And you said. Man, bring it up. This is this is so important, you know, that I tell this story, that I tell about this fifty-five-year-old man, and right. you know, I look. You you manned up and said, "I'm I'm guilty. I did this, and and I need to pay the price." And and I understand that, but I just you know the the hurt that you caused that family and your family, and and it's funny because when we talked off the air, I said. You know, you must have been so scared to go into prison. You were like, no, you know, that that was maybe the easy part, and you were calm about it. That's right. 
And I find that just really incredible, Matt. Well, imagine as much as you can the weight of guilt, shame, and the consequences that you would have to face regardless if you did not intend to make a decision that would hurt somebody. It's still the reality. So to walk through those consequences, it was never about prison and how much time a court system or a judge would give me. It was all about expressing my apology, my sorrow, and my remorse to this family, who I didn't know. You only come to know little bits of information that they share with you. He was a father. He was a brother. He was a son. He was a 55-year-old man. His name was Hort Kak, came over from Cambodia, was a hardworking man. And, and you discover all this, and it's like it's hard to wrap your mind around the fact that you made a decision that took that person's life. I was charged, Mike, with first-degree aggravated manslaughter in New Jersey that comes with a 10- to 30-year prison sentence. That is very unusual. Usually you would get charged with vehicular homicide, vehicular manslaughter. That carries a three- to five-year prison sentence. So there were several things at work in my particular situation. One, the limelight that I had as a pro soccer player, right? USA Today picked up the story, you know, pro soccer player driving drunk kills a man. Like that was the publicity around it. My father's a a career law enforcement official, so they felt like they had to dish out a heavier charge. And, and, and even my lawyer was like, this doesn't make any sense. I've dealt with this before. Matt's looking at up to 10 to 30 years, but this is where our faith, again, I'm stripped of everything I thought was my identity, soccer, status, my possessions. And we often say that when you hit rock bottom and you're a believer, you discover Christ is the rock at the bottom. And it was in that state of humiliation that we said, you know what? God's in control. Matthew's going to have to walk through these consequences, and we're going to trust regardless of the system and a sentencing guideline, that God is going to be glorified. So January 7, 2010, was my sentencing day. I went in charged with first-degree aggravated manslaughter. The judge made a discretionary move to sentence me at the second degree, which put me between five and ten years. My lawyer primed me and my family and said, Matthew's probably going to get seven years mandatory time in New Jersey. It's a mandatory sentencing. We all said, all right, whatever, it, whatever God decides. I got up in the courtroom, Mike, was able to express my heart. You can kind of see this on the website, as yep. you said, o- over and over, um, expressing how sorry I was. Um, and I sit down, and I, 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 I spoke to the judge. I spoke to my victim's family, and I sat. And that was like, in my mind, that was the reason I was there that day, to, to, to express that to them. I wanted them to know how sorry I was. Because, hey, let me just digress, Mike. When you, when you do what I did, and you meet people that – do the same particular crime, you find out a lot of times they don't ever seek forgiveness. Right. And and that was one of the things that would boggle my mind that you did something to somebody. I know you didn't mean it. A lot of times, like, I didn't mean it, man. Why would I apologize? I'm like, brother, that family needs to hear you apologize. And that became a ministry in and of itself, trying to encourage people to seek forgiveness. Right. Because at the end of the day, the person you're seeking forgiveness from, they could shove it in your face. But you know what? Between you and God, your conscience is clear. You sought forgiveness in all sincerity of heart. So when I got the opportunity to do that in the courtroom, I had no idea what was about to happen after that. I said my piece. I sat down. The rest of the day was about the judge rendering a sentence. But before the judge could render a sentence, Mike, Mr. Hortcap's daughter stood up, and she expressed with such eloquence who her daddy was. It was beautiful. She even turned and looked at me and said, we've heard nothing but good things about Mr. Mayor here. 
and she continued to talk about who her dad was. People were whimpering and crying. It was so emotional. And then Mr. Hortcap's son, his name's Noon. Noon stood up, and Noon threw off that vibe. He began to yell at the top of his lungs. He began to, in rage and anger, and rightfully so, pointing at me, telling everybody in the courtroom, do they have any idea what it's like to get a phone call where they told him his dad is dead. And then he looked at me and he goes, and you, you destroyed my world. And I remember in that moment giving him my undivided attention. I'm whimpering on the inside, but I'm trying to gain my composure. I'm crying and praying and thank God, don't let it end like this. And I kid you not, Mike, and you saw the video, there was this awkward composure that came over this young man. And he, and he stopped. And the very next thing he said to me was, but I forgive you, my brother. Just oh, like that. Man. And he came walking over to me. The bailiff allowed me to stand up, and him and I hugged right there in the courtroom. And I whimpered in his ear, I am so sorry. And all that guilt, all that weight, it literally evaporated. And, and if you're listening out there and you're going, man, that's incredible. That, that sounds too unbelievable. I'm going, there's this video, by God's grace alone, that yep. shows you Shot. everything I just shared. Shot. And yep. like I often tell people, oh. man, that's the gospel. You're Amen. sitting in the place. The Bible says you deserve judgment. I was in judgment. I'm sitting in the place of judgment. And then something happened that interrupted that judgment. A son stood up. And a son stood up and interrupted the judgment that I deserved and gave me forgiveness that I did not deserve. And that's exactly what the Bible says that Jesus did. While we're in our sin, Christ died for us. And, like, that gives me the chill bumps every time, every time. I tell it. And there, you know what? For a lot of us and a lot of people listening, I know they're thinking this. There but for the grace of God go I. That's right. You know, there but for the grace of God go I, because that could have been a lot of us. We were talking to Matt Mayer, again, former professional soccer player. Man, that's, that is so – look, it gives him this platform, and it, it's a reason that I found him to have him on, but he's so much more at this point. He's an author, and we'll talk about these books that he's written, and truthovertrend.com. Go there, and he started uh, the publishing side. That five, uh, it's the publishing for founded of biblical truth, Isaiah fifty five eleven, and and we're going to talk to him about that. We're going to talk to him about the gear part of it, and continue this conversation with Matt Marin. And again, on that website, give yourself enough time to to watch some of that and watch that video because there there's not going to be a dry eye in the house. I can't give this. The son who said this to Matt, but I forgive you enough yeah. credit because he's a way better man than I am. I, way better because there's no chance that I could have done that. And I a lot of respect for for that young man. We're going to get to a break. Let's have the break. We'll continue our conversation again with Matt Mayer. He's a teaching pastor at Coastal Christian Church in Ocean City, New Jersey. And uh, you can find out more about him, Truth Over Trend. This is Faith in the Zone on 1250 AM, The Fan. Welcome back to Faith in the Zone, an inside look at people in sports and their walk in faith. Faith in the Zone is brought to you by Bayview Shade and Blind. Here are your hosts, Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Kellner, only on 1250 AM, The Fan. I'm just a nobody, trying to tell everybody all about somebody. Save my soul. Ever since you rescued me, you gave my heart a song to see. I'm living for the world to see. Nobody but Jesus. I'm living for the world to see. Nobody but Jesus. 
Welcome back to Faith in the Zone on 1250 AM. The fan, I'm Mike McGivern, again, flying solo this week. And I sure wish Pastor Ken Keltner could be in studio with me today because he uh, he would be, he would have the same emotion that I have over this young man, Matt Mir, and just what he is doing now with his life and, and the fact that he, that he takes full responsibility you know what? He didn't run from that. He didn't say, hold on, hold on. He, This guy must have moved over in this lane or whatever. He did his time. He did what, what rural men, I think, do. And again, he has started a few things. He's a writer. He's an author. Um, before we get more into truthovertrend.com, Matthew, when you were a sophomore, junior in high school, if I would have said, look, as you get older, you're going to be published three times with three books, what would you have said? Yeah, I would have laughed. I did not enjoy writing. I mean, I was a great student, got all A's, had a very high GPA. But writing wasn't necessarily my thing. My mom was a writer, so I would I would scratch together some thoughts, hand it off to her, and she would polish it out. So, yeah, I would have laughed in your face. Wow. So to, let's talk a little bit about uh, the books that you've written. Are they available, first of all, on Amazon? I, I should have known this before I... Um, asked you that, but are they available on Amazon? Are they available through um, through Coastal Christian Church? Where are they available? They are available on Amazon. Okay. And let me preface this because, one, anytime somebody brings up whether I have books or these other things that the Lord has allowed me to do, I've never used the books to sell. I often use them as a platform to stand on. So that's okay. like one of the first things I want people to understand is because I had so much time in jail and because the Lord was pouring out His grace upon my life and I had so many different changes of perspective that I wanted to document what I was experiencing, what I was seeing, all of that writing eventually became several manuscripts, manuscripts that we put together and we founded a company that was actually partnered with Jason Williams, um, former NBA All-Star. His number was 55 when he was playing pro yep. basketball. Okay. My number was 11. Oh, there it is. And we picked a Bible verse, 5511 Publishing, and I put out three books personally. My mom has a book, and there's a, co- a couple other books on that label. So, yes, Amazon.com and or my website, truthovertrend.com. Hey, so uh, when you say Jason Williams, you're talking about the the New Jersey net, the 611 Jason Williams? 611 Jason Williams, unfortunately, had an accident with a shotgun, yep. killing his chauffeur, his limo driver. Um, I believe it was in 2001, maybe. It was I mean, years ago, and we crossed paths in jail and did 18 months together, and God has done so much work in both our lives, and to this day we're still in contact, so I often talk about him in my messages. Well, amen. So if we do a pickup game, if I come to New Jersey, I get the first pick, then I'm picking him. Just so you know, I'm picking him, figuring that we're going to get every rebound, and all I got to do is throw it into the post and let him score. So uh, you tell Jason we'll play two-on-two, but he's on my team for sure. Hey, when uh, when these books, um, did you write these books when you were in prison? Did you write the first one, or how did that go? Yeah, so most of the three books are at now. I actually have about, and no exaggeration, eight other manuscripts that are done. Wow. I just have to find the margin to work on them and eventually publish them. So the first three books that I did put out went through an editor. The first one was titled, You May Be the Only Bible Somebody Reads. And that in and of itself became the mantra. As I recognized in this, I call it hell on earth, prison's hell on earth. It's the closest thing you'll get to hell on earth. I discovered when you live for the Lord, when you're walking in integrity, God allows you to walk securely. And people are watching you, whether you realize it or not. So when you pick up a Bible or you go to church and you say you're a Christian, that comes with a pretty hefty responsibility, one that I neglected 
as a young man, and I refused from that day forward in jail to ever misrepresent my Savior. What I didn't know was everybody in jail is watching you, and it's just a place where you posture. And one of the dynamic testimonies was a former mob enforcer who was placed on my housing unit. He was watching me, and he told me one day, he said, I've been watching you. He's like, you read that book every day? He said, I was waiting for you to cuss, waiting for you to fight, waiting for you to argue. And he looked at me, and he goes, but you never gave me that opportunity. That was like my first experience with this guy. This dude was like a – you can look him up, John Little John Palladino. He, he's a former mob enforcer. And what happened was God used my example to string John along to, to pique his curiosity. And what dawned on me was something my mom used to say to me when I was a teenager, Mike. She used to say, Matthew, before I'm running out of the house, you may be the only Bible somebody reads. So now – with that in mind, I began to write a manuscript that kind of touched on Christian influence, metaphors that help the believer understand, like if Jesus said, you're the light of the, light of the world, what does that mean? Well, like a moon, a moon is dark unless it reflects the sun's light, and we're dark unless we reflect the sun's light. So it's just a lot of metaphors. That was the first. The second was called Imprisoned by Peace, A View Apart, and that is like a very short book about when you are imprisoned by God's peace, it doesn't matter if you're in prison circumstantially or literally, God's peace transcends all understanding. So it's, it's an interesting read. It helps apparently people in the midst of crisis or tragedy to find the peace of God. And the third book is titled Unchained, A View Apart. Yeah. So the first one, or no, A Voice Apart. A Voice Apart, me, yep. Imprisoned by Peace is A View Apart. Unchained is A Voice Apart. And it was a compilation of a newspaper company that I was writing for while I was an inmate, and they would publish my writing. So when I got out, I took those writings back and added more to them, and it's a voice apart. Like, if God's Word is unchained, then it's always going to be unleashed, no matter where you're at. Hey, um, Matt, and we're talking to Matt Merrick, again, former uh, professional soccer player, teaching pastor at Coastal Christian Church, and I watched your ordination. And I'm watching, and the uh, the man in in the white shirt talking about That's being right. that is that him? That is Little John. That yeah. is little, yeah. There's nothing. I, I know they nicknamed guys, but he talked about the soda incident, and I had a laugh at that. There's some soda that came, and you kind of brought it back because I don't know where. And I just kind of giggled because he was like, "I was thirsty. I wanted to drink some of that soda." <laughs> and I had to stand up for this man, going, "No, no, don't, no, no, don't do, don't hit him. He did what he what he thought he had to do." And man, I loved that that man could have been on Sopranos. Yeah, and and that was his reputation. It preceded him, and people knew he was ruthless and violent. John had spent his entire life in jail, so. For him to be at my ordination, speaking on my behalf, because the Lord got a hold of his heart, and I often tell people, John was once a soldier for the Godfather, and now John's a soldier for God the Father. And that Coke incident was, you get food in, in jail, it's called canteen, and they put soda in my bag, but I didn't pay for the soda. So when I got back to the housing unit and went through my receipt, I said, John, I didn't, I didn't buy soda, they're not mine, I'm going to return them. And he was like, you know, he was also like, what? I made a mistake. Come on, homeboy. Yeah, come We're going to drink Cokes tonight. And I'm like, no, John. Like, This is like me, my way of trying to help John understand integrity. Like, These aren't mine. I'm going to return them. And you know, those little instances in jail go so far because people – it's foreign. You, you know, you're in the system. You better take advantage of the system. And I was like, no, integrity does the right thing regardless of who's watching. And I went back. I brought the Cokes back. And even the civilian 
that works at the store was like in shock. He's like, wait a second. You're telling me you're returning these and you didn't pay for them? And I'm like, yes, sir. He's like, he's rolling his eyes. Like, I've never seen anything like this in my entire career. <laughs> Boy, that's that's incredible. I, I really enjoyed watching that that video. And it was uh, it was really good. I, I liked all of it. And Look, it was it was longer than some of the other ones, but obviously I got hooked into it because I saw a lot of it, and it was really impressive. Hey, we're going to get to a break. Uh, the last segment, we're, I've got a few more questions for Matt, and then I'm going to ask him all the jerseys that he's put on since his childhood. If he could, if I could pick one out of the closet and get him one more game with that team, who would it be and who would it be against? And we'll continue to talk about truth over trend. This is a pure story of redemption. And God has been so good in Matt's life, and, and Matt is now spreading that. I can tell you that right now. Again, go to truthovertrend.com. I'm going to ask him a, a little bit about some of this gear that he's got going, too, because I love what they've got on the front of those, uh, those T-shirts and sweatshirts. This is Faith in the Zone on 1250 AM, The Fan. Back to Faith in the Zone, a journey on how people in sports walk in faith. Faith in the Zone is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Here are hosts Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner, only on 1250 AM, The Fan. For the world to see Nobody but Jesus I'm living for the world to see Nobody but Jesus Welcome back to Faith in the Zone on 1250 AM The Fan. I'm Mike McGivern, again, flying solo this week. You know, Matt Merritt, I, I can tell you that this young man has touched my heart. And I'm just an old boy from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And, and this young man, I, I can't get enough watching some of this stuff. And, and there are times that... I'm the one crying and saying, you know, thinking about him having to go through this. And he's saying to me, man, it's okay. I'm all right. I came through it. I'm good. I'm good. I felt so much peace. And I actually got a lot uh, figured out in my life, you know, for the five and a half years. Now, you wouldn't recommend anybody going in for five and a half years, right? You know, to find where they are and all that. But boy, the platform, Matthew, that the Lord has given you to be able to talk. I can tell you that doing this show, I get asked sometimes to to speak at men's groups throughout the area. And the first one I went to, my testimony is not pretty, right? It's just not. You know, I've got this beautiful wife, and we've been together since the day after graduated from high school. And I was out doing stupid stuff and coming home late and trying to sneak in and all that. And she she st- sat up one night and said, I'm done. I don't believe in divorce, but you will live the rest of your life in a loveless marriage. You mm. decide. What do you want to do? You like that over us? Wow. And uh, you know what? So I have to go out. And, and so I'm telling this story about all the stupid things I'm, I was doing. And I was embarrassed, Matt. And so after the pastor comes up and says, that was great, I said, never again. And this is a church I didn't know. I didn't know the pastor. He'd call me out of the blue. And I said, never again. He said, what? I said, that was, I'm so embarrassed. I'll never do that again. Lose my number. Don't tell any of your friends. And he goes, hey, man, you know what? I'm one of those guys. The the worst thing I ever do is steal a candy bar. There's 270 men out here. 50 of them are dealing with you right now in their life, dealing with what you dealt with. And they won't talk to me about it, but they'll talk to you. And he said, and you think this is about you, huh? 
I said, man, don't talk to me anymore. What did I tell you? He started laughing. He said, you can't stop now. You got to keep telling that story. And that's right. Man, how hard is it for you? And we've only got a couple of minutes left. And I want to get to that Jersey question, but how hard was it in the beginning for you, Matt, to come out and, and just lay your, your whole life story out to people? Yes, yeah, similarly, Mike. There's obviously shame that rises up, but when God says, Matt, you get out there and tell them what you did, and then I stop and I go, God, then what? He goes, and you tell them what I did. You tell them what you did, son, and then you tell them what I do. And it's like I talk about my shame and then I highlight God's grace, and that becomes my testimony. I actually spoke pre-incarceration. I was invited to speak at colleges and high schools, which kind of set me on that trajectory, which is a God-given gift pre-incarceration to be able to speak about it. So all this time after prison, I'm now doing what God's prepared me to do through prison. And yes, it's true when the Bible says God brings beauty from ashes. I'm currently married, Mike, to a beautiful wife myself. Yes, you are. We have yeah. one daughter named Willow, and we're expecting a son any day now Amen. named Ezekiel. Man. Amen. And you, look, I use this, and people are going to roll their eyes, but you all kicked your coverage by a mile. You know that, right? <laughs> yeah. You do know that. I just want you to know, in case in case there isn't anybody that has been 100% honest with you, to let you know that. You join my club, pal. I'm the president. You come on in. Hey, last question. With all the teams that you played for, from Little League on, if I, if I put all of the jerseys in a closet and said, pick one, and I can get you one more game, it could be a home game, could be a Friday night against whoever you want it to be, what uh, jersey do you pick and who do you play against? Tough question. Hundreds of jerseys, as you can imagine. Most people listening at this point would think I would say, Philadelphia kicks, go back to that game I tore my knee. If I don't tear my knee, maybe I don't go out on a Friday night. And that wouldn't be my answer because I've learned you can't live in regret. I can't change that. So even if I didn't tear my knee, I wasn't living right. I probably would have made a bad decision somewhere else, which God would have got my attention. I would have caused pain. So it's probably not the answer you'd expect. I'd go back to one of my travel soccer teams, Pittsgrove Stars, and it's one of those plays that haunts me, even though I was a teenager, <laughs> and all the eyes were on me. It was a penalty kick. No. And it all depended upon me making it, and I shanked it. I hit it so bad, it was embarrassing. It was one of those moments I walked off the field, and I, to this day, I'm 36 years old. I still remember that one shank. Out of all the victories and goals I scored, Man, I love that. the PK, I well, go back and try that one again. I wish I could get you one more game. Hey, Matt, I, I, I promise you this, that this does not end our relationship. I'm going to call you and have you back on. Um, I love the fact that there might be a couple other guys in the future you can help me out with because that's the tough part with Faith in the Zone uh, is getting guests. But he is Matt Mayer again truthovertrend.com. I want you to go to the website, watch the video. I love the gear. We didn't even get into that, but there's some great sayings on that gear. But do yourself a favor, truthovertrend.com, or you can go on Amazon and pick up one of his books. It's Matt Mayer, M-A-H-E-R. Matthew, have a great weekend. I look forward to touching base with you again. Thank you, Mike. Thank you so much, guys. You bet. This is Faith in the Zone on 1250 AM, The Fan. You've been listening to Faith in the Zone with hosts Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner. You can hear Faith in the Zone every Sunday at 8 AM and 8 PM. To find past shows, exclusive podcasts, or to contribute with an inside tip on a guest, simply go to faithinthezone.com. Faith in the Zone is an inside look at people in sports and their walk in faith. Join us again next Sunday for Faith in the Zone, right here on 1250 AM, 
the fan. I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody all about somebody who saved my soul. Ever since you rescued me, you gave my heart a song to sing. I'm living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. I'm living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. Moses had stage fright. David brought a rock to a sword fight. You picked 12 outsiders, nobody would have chosen and you changed the world. Well, the moral of the story is everybody's got a purpose.